Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. The first week of March is nearly over, but Graham McMillan and I are here, better late than never, to discuss not seeing the Batman, the remake of West Side Story by Steven Spielberg, the latest iteration of Digital Comics Blues, this time starring Manga Plaza as well as Comixology, Legion of Superhero Comics from the 90s, The Nice House on the Lake and its latest twist, Avengers Forever, Justice League Incarnate, and much, much more in this two-hour and ten-minute episode. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeffrey Wright Lester. And then nothing from Jeff. Jeff? God damn fucking Skype, Graham. God damn it. What was happening? It started the call with me on mute for no reason <laughs> and so there's a mute button on my fucking headset as you know because it's the same one and i kept hitting it and it wouldn't change anything because skype's like no you don't deserve to talk and i'm like but i do i have things to say admittedly my 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 reply to your greeting was a little slow and substandard, all things considered. But Graham, well, now I want to know what it was. Oh, it was just—it was something like Graham Pattinson McMillan, because of course you went with Jeffrey Wright. I'm like, well, Graham. Speaking of which, I have to say, and I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to go on a, out on a limb and guess, since we are a comic book podcasting duo slash force of nature, and since a new Batman movie was finally released uh neither of us have seen it finally uh after ending the long drought of i mean what five years boo graham well, boo it was longer than that i think that's true when was the dark knight rises for real it was it was back when people were talking about <laughs> occupy that was like wow it was, tw- it was 10 years ago see wow but, yeah take that old man that's true. I am. I am so old. Uh, 2012, of course, the halcyon days of such comics as uh, Jeff Johns and Jim Lee's Justice League. Oh Jesus! Uh, and I want to say Superman at that point was the amazing team of Dan Jerkins and Scott Lobdell. Wow, really? I, I might be making that up. Uh, Jerkins definitely was drawing it. But I can't remember who was writing it. It was uh, well. Okay, so Perez started off. Didn't he start off writing and drawing it, and then that no, sort of no. went? No, he started off writing, and um, Jesus Marino was drawing oh, it. Oh, interesting. Um, and then, then let's see. Are you going to give me some information, Internet? Come on, Internet! Come on, know. Internet! Damn it! The Halcyon days. Of, mm-hmm. You know, it'd be great if Comicsology still existed, and so I could get to this information. Far more easily than I can now. Right. Well, congratulations. I got to admit that's some foreshadowing of tonight's episode. That's some segue shit. Yeah, Uh, that is. I should segue it. But the fact is you didn't answer. I assume you have not seen the Batman. I have not seen. I have not seen. Yeah, you're you're correct. And I have not seen Mm -hmm. um, the Batman. Yes. 
I can't remember who told me, but someone the other day said that uh, what they liked about the Batman more than anything is that it sounds like something that would uh, that has been named by your grandmother. Oh, yeah, I guess so. You know, a little Are you bit of Batman. Yeah, uh, Keith Giffen and Dan Jurgens. Hey, did you start talking through a cat? I'm just wondering if there's something. All of a sudden, things you're sounding just a little bit fuzzier. Okay, I will, uh, you had your technical issues to start this podcast off. I will tell you right now that we've been having really bad internet issues all week. Oh. Uh, and so it's very possible that, like, I'm just going to shit the bed at some point and disappear. Um, <laughs> Me too, but, you know. <laughs> you're like, nothing to do with the internet. <laughs> the internet. That's, that's just, that's this just my. Weird, this is how weird our internet has been the last week. For the last three days, between 11 and 12, our internet will entirely cut out. Oh, that's not good. It's super weird. Out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, hmm. Huh. I sort of wonder if maybe you guys need to fuss with your, um, change the, the channel that your Wi-Fi's on, maybe. I'm thinking maybe there's something that's on the same channel during that time that's disrupting it. You know? uh, well, our, our internet in general has been uh, has notably downgraded in the last few weeks. Jeez, that uh, sucks. It, I, I, unknown why, mm-hmm. but yeah, like we we've really had trouble with our internet recently, and so it would not surprise me if all of a sudden the audio quality suddenly just dropped for no reason. Well, you've gotten better. You've removed the cat from between yourself and the microphone, so hooray for that. Um, I'm wondering if it's also because I was looking stuff up online. Oh Jesus! I hope not. Because like I, you're I was, actually I was searching looking... on stuff, and oof. yeah, I was I was trying to I was looking to, I was looking to find out who the creative team of, of Superman was. Okay, please shut that shit down. Because let's face it, Graham, nobody nobody cares. cares. Nobody cares. I know you. You do care. There's probably some I, listeners I, that are yeah. you know but, close to caring. Yeah, yeah, but only close. Let's be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like let let's let's not overstate it. The, the the number of people who actually care is one, and it's me. <laughs> well, anyway, switching back to the number of people who actually care, let's talk a little bit about the Batman, uh, and 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 be like the, the, the film that neither of us have seen. That's right. Well, first off, why haven't you seen it? Do you, secondly, why when do you it? think yeah. you will see it? Okay, well, those two questions are related. Um, why haven't I seen it? Maybe because there's a fucking pandemic still happening. Okay, I'm the same way. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Just wanted um, to check. And when will I see it? Honestly, when it comes on HBO Max in like three months. Well, it didn't... I swear to God, somebody on the internet said that it, it's going to hit HBO Max in 45 days. Do you know it, almost, it almost certainly is. Which I... Which I 45, 45 days is the window. Yeah. Uh, for for streaming these days. And... You know, sure, I can wait a month and a half. Oh, he's like standing on my head. That being said, I have to say, A, I'm kind of tentatively, cautiously intrigued by it. The write-ups have been very good. Yes. From from the people whose opinions I trust, mm-hmm. the write-ups have been very good. Yeah. And so I am... Um, I'm cautiously into it. Yep, yeah. While also being like, three hours is a long time, though. Eh, I mean, this is the... I think this is the problem with me. I may have been heading in this direction pre-pandemic, 
but I'm certainly post. You're certainly there now. Certainly there now is um, God help me if a movie has vibes, then then I can actually hang out, especially if we're watching it at home. Like like Dune. I think Dune was three hours, right? And that was like nothing. Was it three hours? I think it was, wasn't I, it? I, I, I would look it up, but I worry the internet's, <laughs> the internet's going to shit the bed again. Yeah, okay. Well, let me, let me let the lazy man who has the working internet. Two and a half hours. I just looked it up. Okay. And, you know, that, that – uh, it it felt like it flew by, you know? So I, I – and that's the thing. Back in the day, I craved a good Bollywood flick, you know, preferably if – you know, four hours because the intermission, like at that point, you know, you're not even really getting a three-hour movie if you've got an intermission in there. But, but I don't know. I know what you mean. It's interesting. Somebody on the uh, – on Twitter – um. I don't think they were saying it to me. I think they were just saying it. We're, oh, no, maybe it was someone who said it to me. Basically said that it weirdly kind of reminded them of Star Wars in that the Star Wars A New Hope in that it was kind of a accumulation of a lot of different things that shouldn't work together. But as far as this person was concerned, for the most part, did and i'm like oh uh, that's okay i might try that yeah i can see being into that on the other hand the fact that one of those things is jeff johns's batman earth one or whatever i'm like a little like mm, uh, i guess so if i gotta you know like uh, really though uh, mm, so yeah. i mean but we'll we'll see mm-hmm. uh it, it's funny the the majority of conversation in this house about the Batman has not been about Robert Pattinson or Matt Reeves, the writer director, or in fact anything about the film other than Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, at one point, Clay said this morning that um, if the Batman was revealed to be just three hours of Zoe Kravitz in like a latex cat suit, just talking to the camera, she would she'd be like. Yeah, lockdown be damned. <laughs> right. We're seeing this sucker in the right theater. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah, exactly. I seem to think that that's – and that, that's fair. I don't know. It's funny. I'm I'm always – I'm very – I'm kind of meh about Zoe Kravitz, but maybe that's just me. I guess. I don't know. I was, I was going to be very unkind and be like, that's because you just watched Kimmy on HBO Max. Oh, yeah, which I haven't seen yet. But yeah, yeah, because I, I watched the trailer to that and I was like – so you saw it and it was like fine right uh kimmy is exactly what you think it is from the trailer Mm. pretty much exactly what you think it is with the exception of it ends so quickly Mm -hmm. it is the cinematic equivalent of someone being like oh shit okay i've my deadline's coming up and i'm not fuck okay i've not really I've not really figured out this final act. Mm-hmm. What if I, um, shit. Okay, what if I literally just get her out of trouble and then end the film without actually resolving anything else? Great. Yeah, yeah that, it, that, it's, it, um, uh, it, I feel it might be sort of aiming for, like, you know, 70s thrillers, which just, like, you know, ended. You know, I mean, <laughs> Do you know what the, I mean? like, you right. know, 60s, 70s films where they literally just ended. Yeah. They didn't even have credits. It was just, like, you know, 
goes, oh no, bad guy's coming up with a gun. He missed. I punched him. And then it'll be like, the end. Right. Finn. Yeah. yeah, I think it's aiming for that. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it legitimately forgets to resolve shit that the film is about. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> um, I... and I was like, yeah, that's, that's surprisingly disappointed. And there's a, uh, uh, something that's almost a Deus Ex Machina, mm-hmm. except it is also signposted so awkwardly mm. at a couple of points earlier in the film that you expect it. Mm-hmm. You spend the entire film going, so when's this dude going to show up? Right. Okay, right. When, when's he going to show up? Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's not a particularly good film, which is a shame because I like Soderbergh a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, this house is a pro Zoe Kravitz uh, house, mostly honestly because of High Fidelity, which is something that I. Oh I right, that's what I should check out. You're right, right, right. Yes, the High Fidelity, of the show, right? That sounded pretty good, and yes, because I think yeah, that... she was very good in that. Okay, that's worth keeping in mind. Um, well, actually, what bums me out is I failed in my intended goals for the week, which would have put the, um, which would have put my intro in a completely different light, which would have been like leading it to be like we were going to talk about the Batman and then just try and chirp happily about the West Side Story remake. But I have not seen it yet. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Lester. Yeah. I um... know. Yeah, it's really good. That's what I can It's hear. really, really good. I am not ashamed to say that I legitimately welled up a couple of times during that film. And I know the fucking story. Well, yeah. Like, everyone knows West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Nothing was a surprise. Mm-hmm. But there was a couple of moments where I legitimately had tears in my eyes. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, maybe I was just over-emotional. Fuck knows. I, I but, gotta um, say, but also, yeah. Spielberg's like it looks amazing it genuinely looks amazing i'm it's I'm, it's wrestling with an uh, uh an unfortunate choice of lead yes but, mm-hmm. but it's like it's still a really fucking good film yeah i'm i'm very i'm very you know it's funny at first i was like eh, i really don't wanna see it because i love the original west side story and i i have not unlike Soderbergh, I have kind of complicated feelings about Spielberg. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the, the the tears welling up is the number of times that I have actually shed tears at Steven Spielberg movies and been legitimately mad at myself while it's happening. Like, I'm all but like, the fucker's got some sort of tear-inducing golden glow light yeah, shit. Exa- exactly. What you know? the fuck are you actually doing here? Yeah. 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 It's just some halo. Yeah. I, making I, me... I, I'll be honest. I'm not even entirely sure why I was crying a couple of times in the film. Yeah. Uh, like even as it was happening, I was like, "This is not a surprise. I mm. knew this was coming." Mm. And yet, there's something about the way it was done that completely just fucking got me. You know, it, I, I, I'm. 90% sure that I've mentioned it on here, which probably means that I've mentioned it on here three times. But someday I'm really going to have to reckon with watching uh, Dream Girls in the movie theater with Edie and my mother in law on like Christmas Day, the year it came out, because that experience was so weird for me because you know 
it's an okay movie. It's uh, but the scene where Jennifer Hudson sings like I, I tell you, I'm not going. Um, destroys like it. It genuinely destroyed everyone in the movie theater, and I've never really to the point where for myself, I. It kind of it was different from like it's one thing when I'm watching a Spielberg thing and he turns on the Golden Glow and the John Williams music cues up and I find myself going <laughs> and I'm like I don't but I don't care about any of these people this is just somehow some weird little tweaky thing like I sort of I sort of chalked it up to hit showman showmanship charms right mm-hmm. but I did have a weird feeling after uh, Dreamgirls where it was like. It was such, it was this huge emotionally cathartic moment for the people, for me and the rest of the audience. Like, people were still crying after the song had ended. Nobody died. She had just sung. And it the way it was filmed, the way it was shot, but especially her singing, like, the audience, and I just had that weird thing of like, I felt like it was one of the few times in my life, despite talking about art and its utility and catharsis, you know, sort of inherited all the way from what's his name, Aristotle. Is it Aristotle? Uh, I, I I wish I knew. And and just having that mo- or. I mean, it's Plato who's talking about Socrates. Plato writes where Socrates is like, art is not good, you know, because it basically has people behave badly in it. Like, you know, if you see people like, you know, sort of weepingly, weeping openly and kind of rending their clothes and inconsolable, you're kind of like, you're not being a you're not being a good citizen. You're not you're you're not comporting yourself well. You're just causing you you know you're kind of causing trouble. And these emotions cause trouble. Um, and so Socrates slash Plato is like, yeah, art generally in a perfect society, you really shouldn't have it. And then Aristotle is the one who comes down and is like, art is good because of catharsis because it allows you to live these emotions and kind of free yourself from them. And then after that, you're more free and you're a more productive member of society. And it's, it's good to have this stuff. And I always bought into that, but I always sort of like, yeah, okay. So, you know, yeah, I kind of, you know, get a little misty at the end of the first time I see Blade Runner or, you know, the majority of spirited away. And it allows me to communicate with some things and then I feel better and go on. But like Dreamgirls, where my sense of emotional connection, I mean, I wasn't totally, utterly, I wasn't completely bored, I wasn't tuned out, but I can't really say that I was like, oh, this is a thing that has really got me, you know? But after that scene, I was just like, what the fuck just happened? And kind of in that weird, like, oh, I think I might side with Plato, and this might be the first time I've experienced catharsis kind of like it. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so there, that's, that to me, that's kind of, I'm still trying to figure out like that weird thing of like, what if one of the few times that I actually saw a movie that was, that genuinely moved me in the, in the sense that, it, that we talk of things being moved, you know, of actual catharsis, 
was this weird, strange, powerful, but almost banal ex- experience, you know, that I, I'm still not sure what happened, as opposed to, like, yeah, you know, when Caesar gives that speech at the end of, you know, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, I, you know, I feel that shit, you know? <laughs> So I, I don't I don't I just I, yeah, so, I, I I'm really yeah. I'm going to be really curious what you make of my side story uh, in part because I really love the original film as well. Yes, we both have. Um, yeah, West Side Story important part of the wait what mythos I think. I legitimately think this just like destroys it. Wow, I think it's so much better. Wow, uh, I, I, that it's it's like. I almost feel like I can't go back and watch it anytime soon mm. because I'll be like, and this is the, like, you know, local high school's production of West Side Story. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, the nice thing is for me is because Jerome Robbins directs the dance scenes of the mm-hmm. movie version of West Side Story. I don't think it's going to entirely feel like that. Although the one sequence that I saw on Twitter that was an excerpt from Spielberg's version, it was just a short little the people arriving at the dance. I was like, "Oh, holy shit!" So, uh, the uh, the America mm. scene performance is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is amazing, mm. and and it's very much uh, the entire film is is very much uh, you know not a remake as much as like a reimagination. And I don't mean that in, like, the, the cheesy sense. Mm-hmm. I mean in the sense of, like, it has the same plot, it has the same musical numbers. Right. But, you know, beyond that, like, uh, it's got new script. Mm-hmm. And there are story changes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are character changes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and new characters who mm-hmm. perform different roles. Um, and so, you know, it's not like you're seeing a one-to-one translation through the right. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get to see I, – I can't remember. Did you watch In the Heights last year when it was on HBO? I did not. I did okay, not. Okay, but, but you yeah. saw – I'm sure you saw the trailers. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So the trailers for In the Heights, a film which you know I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I love, but I enjoyed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much the, hey, we're in New York and you know this is our location and we are the, you know, we're the, the neighborhoods and we're coming together in song. Right. Right? And they have a couple of performances where they try and do that, and they do it relatively well. Mm-hmm. I thought until... until Spielberg comes along and he's like, "Yeah, so what if I start America with uh, Anita on her balcony doing laundry, mm-hmm. and then the argument she's having uh, with Bernardo spills out onto the street when mm-hmm. other people will then join in." Mm. And then they'll go through the gym, and then they'll come out, and you know, at the you know, at the the, the major crossing, mm. where we'll pull back and we'll do the big fuck off widescreen dance routine mm-hmm. with everyone. And you're like, you fucker, you just know how to do films really well, you bastard. He really does. He really <laughs> and does. And it is. It's, yeah, it's, right. there, there's a sense of scale to it and a sense right. of scope to it that at once feels very uh, traditional musical, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can look at it and be like, well, that's pulling from Stanley Don and that's pulling from, you know, the original West Side Story, blah, blah, blah. Right. But done in such a way that it feels. Like, it could only be done today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a set, for example. Mm-hmm. Or if it is a set, it's a set that is, because, you know, it's 
I I have no idea if the, if you know this or not, but like it's set in the they're tearing down the the apartment buildings for what's going to become the Lincoln Center in New York. Mm. So basically, like there is part of a neighborhood left, and the uh, the surroundings are rubble, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of gentrification is part of the is part of the story, right? Right. Uh, because the Jets are are feeling like you know we've been we the 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 whites have been displaced uh-huh. Uh-huh. by by the brown people uh-huh. right and and all the sharks and everyone around the sharks are are, are being displaced again for the rich folk the rich uh-huh. whites uh-huh. Uh-huh. right and uh-huh. and this is this is something they play upon and and uh-huh. you know and and this is part of even the the america sequence uh-huh. uh but it's Despite the, despite the fact that they're they're clearly on a set or there's some form of set dressing because again they're surrounded by fucking rubble. Right. Right. It never feels artificial. Hmm. It feels like they're in a real location. Mm-hmm. So when he does the here we are this other you know the crosswalk and then I'm pulling back. Mm-hmm. You're like holy shit <laughs> in a way that you know. Gene Kelly dreamed of in Singing of the Rain. Right, God, right. And it pulls back. Yeah, like that's what he dreamed he could do. Mm, mm, yeah, right, right. No, it's just, it's it's a it's a glorious film. It's what, absolutely amazing. That's great. I can't see it soon enough. Um, yeah, it, well, that's good to know. It's funny because I, part of me is like, yeah, Spielberg, but I feel like it may or may not be, um, Distracting from other things, so I, I may circle back and pepper well, you with other spirits. Okay, so I want to. You sent me a message. You sent me lots of messages uh, this week, but you sent me a message uh, yesterday, I think, that I really want to dig into. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because you tweeted, you never really know how things will turn out, but if I had to bet, I'd say there's going to be a lot of me bitching about digital comics on the next week. Next week, what? Yes. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> And you told me two things, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I expected, for want of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. and one of the things I really didn't. So mm. the thing that I expected was basically comicsology on Amazon is just not working for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll expand on that. Although I suppose for anyone who does the digital comics thing, I think, in a way, it's kind of self-evident. Of course, we spent some time talking about it on our previous episode, and I'm happy to say that some of my fears or what seemed like genuinely the case ended up not being the case. For example, I had mentioned that it seemed that my Comixology discount had fucked off, and I think you had waved some flags that that it was still there. Um, and it's true. Comixology Unlimited... Among the things that it offered that was super enticing for a lot of people were the 10% discounts, 10 to 15% discounts with like the bigger publishers. That is still in place. Uh, and I've seen that discount applied to the couple of subscribed books that have come in. My subscriptions have sort of rolled in okay. Um, still kind of a big pain in the ass to sort of extra screens to click through and track if you're, you know. Sure keeping a Google Doc or whatever. But yeah, the experience is unpleasant. I went there because DC is, unsurprisingly, because of this The Batman movie, they are having The Batman sale, which 
is, as you know, DC is a little more, has been a little tighter on its sales and its discounts um, over the last year, two years or something like that. Um, and this is a, a, a big sell with tons of stuff on sale and, and um, <coughs> much more generous pricing. So I'm like, well, I can dig into it because God only knows there's nothing I love more than stockpiling more classic Batman stories. Sure. Um, and the experience is just repugnant. Uh, I think is, I mean, it's a farce compared to what it used to be on Comixology, you know, because you are on the Amazon site. And even if you go where they do the thing that, that Comixology used to do, which would be like, you know, Batman, the Omnibuy, or Start Here, or the classic team-ups, for example. You start clicking on those in Amazon, and you only go, you know, once you click on See All, it drags you to a screen where, again, your sorting is is almost non-existent. So mm-hmm. it'll sort it by price, it'll sort it by popularity, but it won't do the sort... It, you just nothing is is great like it's just 28 pages of clicking blind that you ne- in in a way that you're never going to know and i think that's the other thing that kind of sucks that i realize is comicsology had a screen full of covers with issues you know what i mean but it was more or less as you know as i as i recall in my very old man brain despite the fact that this was only three weeks ago you know it was like it was on a grid you saw you could basically look at 12 comics in a glance super fast amazon i swear to god i felt like one of those cattle in uh being led down a narrow winding hallway where where it's going to get slaughtered at the end you just know the bolt is going to hit you in the brain when you turn enough corners and it's just it it's just i just gave up honestly i ended up buying some stuff because of course there's a big conan sale and i i have to say i had fully expected to tell you graham you know that amazon has completely broken the system if jeff lester can't buy a conan comic book digitally but i did i did succeed i in fact bought two so but I think part of that is weirdly that the sale was super small and the things that I was like, oh yeah, I do kind of want to get this. I went in kind of having something that I wanted to get and sure enough, it was on sale. Uh, and then and then I actually stumbled across something. But if it had been like, an, you know, because it was only like comparatively something like 60 books, that was the other thing. It was only appeared to be the trades not the single issues, it felt, um, it, it felt survivable, I guess. You know what I mean? Like I kind of came out being like, wow, I bet if that's, if that's, if that thing had been a 10th the size of the Batman sale, I would have made it three screens in, looked down, saw that there were literally 38 more click throughs and just given up. So yeah, just being like, no, thank you. Exactly. Exactly. So there's, things that i really don't like about that um i don't want to spend too much time on this because it does sound like i kind of threw you on the other thing but yeah well so so yeah so 
again, also, we've talked a fair amount about Amazon and Comixology before. Yeah. The right. idea that, like, you know, it's still not really good. Right. It's unsurprising. Yes. Um, more surprising for me was the Manga Plaza thing. Yeah, right. So, so, so that was the one that really bummed me out because Manga Plaza had launched like about like two months ago, I think, or maybe it was more like a month and a half is when I became aware of it. And they're like, hey, we're going to be like this huge site. Kodansha's going in on it. We're like this Japanese media company that has done other experiences in Japan. And we really want to bring like the largest collection of streaming manga here. And they were. They're like, we're going to have 10,000 titles. You're going to be able to subscribe. The thing... The thing that sort of drove me nuts about it was when you started looking into it, because they had a thing. They're like, yeah, if you sign up with us now, if we get, you know, if we get over this many pre-registrations, you'll get $3 off your monthly um, cycle, you know, billing cycle for this. And if we get this many, you'll get your first month free. And if you get this many and yada, yada. And it kept talking about all these things. I'm like, okay, great. But what's the app like, you know? And and it was a little bit of like, oh, and get the sense of here are these titles. And it was something like each, you know, it was maybe like 15 books, each of which had three chapters free. And I was kind of clicking through them on the, um, on the computer. And I'm like, I guess this is okay if you like reading manga on a computer screen as opposed to a tablet. And I'm like, eh. So I sign up. You know, March 1st happens and they're more or less like, hey, you know, confirm your signature, you know, sign up with the for real with the same email address that you did with the previous thing and you'll get your first month off free and then really start being able to dig in. And so I did. And and then I'm like, okay, so what am I looking at? And so there's a few things that are here, Graham, that I find one of the things that I think is really rough is that the Shonen Jump app, uh, which is available uh, in in the U.S., and also Manga Plus, which is the same publisher as Shushia's um, worldwide uh, accessible uh, site, they both have apps. They both have screen reading. Um, Manga Plus, as far as I know, is basically kind of a don't pirate site. So come to our site and it's simultaneous release with Japan in the languages that you want. We give you a little bit of ads at the end, but generally we're just trying to wean you away from, from piracy. The Shonen Jump app is is like, we've got an app, you get access to all these back chapters for all these titles, but, and this is this is the thing that is kind of insane, it's two ninety nine a month. Right. So what you're getting is an absurd deal. It's very much of the, oh, yeah, it's like having HBO Max if you were paying like $3 a month for it. You know, like it's just insanely good. And so part of me is like, okay, so Manga Plaza is like $6.99 a month. They're going to give me the first month off. That's fine. It's more or less in line with Azuki. you know, arguably it's in line with Comixology Unlimited, which is like five ninety nine. But 
so and here's but the thing i'm like i really want to like shonen jump is great there's stuff there that's kind of a lot of it is super fun there's some stuff that's my absolute favorite stuff but it's also very much kind of a it's as the majority of it is as much a genre as I, I want to say superheroes, but really it's kind of more like if you think about the American comics industry, like back in the 60s or 70s, you know, where it's kind of like it's all it's basically it's all for kids, you know, and it's like you got so you got the stuff that appeals to your smart kids or stuff that appeals to your teen kids. But sort of like in the way that it's not all superheroes, but like Archie and Superman and, you know, the first hundred issues of Spider-Man and all that stuff, they're not very far apart from one another. And God love them. I just, I don't want to read a thousand chapters of One Piece. I uh, Maybe at some point I will change my tune because there's amazing stuff going on there. But I just don't want, I actually... Like, that's, that's not what I want right now. Right, exactly. I, uh, like a few weeks ago, I had also tweeted something along the lines of like, God, I wish there was the shoujo version of Shonen Jump, which is just a subscription with uh, incredible amounts of titles that are, you know, basically romance, but are, you know, really more from the genre, female creators, character, stronger on the characters, stronger with you know strong romance angle but still with a lot of stories that you can fit in of that whether that's comedy or action or fantasy or whatever i just kind of that's what i'm am eager for and so i found myself really hoping that manga plaza would be it because they have a lot of they've got you know, real strong segments that are dedicated to like romance and shoujo and food and eating and blah, 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 blah. So all of which is to say, like, the, I think the two big problems that you find with, that I have found through manga sites, and I haven't genuinely looked at a lot. Like, it's hard for me half the time to understand the difference. Like, half of the pirated sites present themselves as legit sites and aren't some of the legit sites are so janky they might as well be pirated <laughs> sites you know and then you get those weird things like it still kind of blows my mind that crunchyroll which is like the largest purveyor of licensed anime in north america as far as i know well especially now that they've combined with uh, funimation started off as a piracy site that somehow managed to sell memberships, then use that to go legit by licensing stuff. And it was literally this weird, like, wow, they somehow extorted themselves into the process of being legit, which is, you know, kind of shocking. But so there's all these little gray areas. So everyone should take what I'm saying with huge grains of salt, because I am ignorant and you know the we'll probably get comments you know with like lol jeff manga fox is legit or but like i hadn't heard some other alternatives like manga planet and other things until i started searching on what people were saying on twitter about manga plaza because i was so disappointed in that if you look at azuki if you look at comiXology unlimited and if you look at manga plaza the largest things that you have access to 
are basically the same 20 titles that Kodansha has managed to, to, you know, placate the manga's authors into allowing to be translated and distributed over here. And so there's a lot of stuff where I was like, Manga Plaza, where I'm like, seven bucks for this? But the thing is, is they also have all these other titles. They've got some boys' love stuff. They've got, like, you know some amazing like on the run from my groomsman who's got a gun kind of like things that just sound like insane titles that I'm I was gonna like, say we're back to things that you've made up yes exa- exactly but not by far I've described the cover but I can't remember the name of the actual book uh and so it's 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 kind of like oh well at least there's a lot here it's impossible to find and sort through it's just kind of like oh look at this thing like look by category here's 15 different categories like the site map is should just as well it might as well be called migraine in orange font you know what i mean like it's it's exactly as equally descriptive as the site map button in terms of explaining what's going to happen when you hit it and so (laughs) digging through all that shit is is and this is the part that creep is bums me out is you start you're like oh this title looks really interesting i'd love to see what this is and you look and i'm a subscriber i can read the first three chapters for free and then the next seven chapters are 99 cents a pop so it's also manga plaza is you know it's in a way it's not an inaccurate description where you're like oh there's a big building over there with a pleasant park you go to the park and then you find out that it's only open for residents of the building unless you get a guest pass and then the the guy the people who are the residents in the building are paying through the nose for like a little small condo and an access to a gym with a hot tub that is going to give them hot tub love you know it seems it's and and that's what sort of bums me out is apart from Shushisha uh, and Viz and Shonen Jump, most of the streaming services that I've seen see, tend to be like pushing the same six cookies around on a plate, and, or and if you're lucky and they have anything else, they want you to spend ninety nine cents to buy to basically buy more. Right, and I'm like. On the one hand, $0.99 cents was more or less the price that I was always complaining DC was, should have put all of its old comics at, and I would have gone crazy if, it, mm-hmm. you know, all their stuff from, like, say, 1988 or earlier was just $0.99 cents a copy. They, DC would have gotten so much of my money on Comixology. I just would have bought everything, you know? And, and in theory... If I can find it, it's probably now on uh, DC Universe. But I don't know why I balk at the idea of like, okay, I'm paying $7 a month so that I can buy things for $0.99, cents, uh, a quote-unquote chapter, which really is like, you know, it's black and white, but it's basically the same as a single issue of a comic book. It's about 19 to 20 pages of story. Sometimes it's a little shorter. Sometimes it's much longer, but you can usually count on getting like a full comic book issues worth. Yeah, and issues like, worth of stuff, yeah. Yeah, but I'm also like, well, then don't make me pay seven ninety nine, six ninety nine a month for it. To say nothing of the fact that that six ninety nine that's supposedly free 
like people on the site are complaining like I've tried to register four times because the whole thing is you have to register with the email that you pre-registered with. People are like, I've tried doing this six times and it keeps denying me. It won't let me join. I've joined, but it acts like I'm a completely out of the blue subscriber. So instead of getting my first month free, it's giving me a seven day free subscription. And then I've got to pay $7. And I'm like, whoa. And it's probably a situation where if it registered and works, then a month from now, I will get my $7 like back or the next month free or whatever. They'll make sure that I've got the, I've got basically the syringe hooked into my veins, but I'm kind of like, this is kind of a junky, janky experience. And it sounds disastrous. Yeah. Considering like it incredibly frustrating. Yeah, it's not great. And they're like, oh, yeah, people are like, can I read it on an app? And they're like, no, this way you don't have to worry about filling up your tablet with lots of memory. You know, also, if you don't use Google Chrome, we can't be held responsible for what happens to your computer. They don't quite put it like that. They said the reading experience is optimized for Google Chrome. And I'm like, fuck that. I don't I don't use Google Chrome. I don't read my comics on a fucking screen. Lots of people do. This allows them to have a lot of stuff. But again, by contrast, Azuki, which I went from being kind of like, this is great in in theory, but I'm not so like they've they ha they do have an app. They've made the app better. They continue to roll out things like you can now like flag your reading lists and sort them and da da la 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 I'm like okay this is this it this is sort of closer to what I think would be you know th the minimum standard of a um of an actual and they're actually doing stuff around the corners like they had a survey that was like would you donate money to the author uh, after I got through the end of this one thing. And I'm like, uh, sure. And then I'm not filling out stuff on a Google Docs form. But I think what they're trying to do is like, we want to be able to continue to get new stuff, but, you know, we can, we're only as strong as our licensors, of course. And yeah, okay. how, how can, how can we increasingly monetize this? How can we make this a more attractive right proposition for for people who are producing the work yeah exactly for the people who are producing the content how can we make it worthwhile for them because we otherwise we don't have anything or once we if we lose kadancha anyway so so that just so those two things that's why that that explains the the dm gram it's one thing amazon is dire and sad and depressing but but I'm kind of learning to live with it, and it hit me at a good time where I had switched to a bunch of other stuff. But I'm still holding out hope for a good manga streaming service, and that was just like having a cig someone put out a cigarette on my soul. It was just like it, like you said, it's really atrociously been atrociously handled, and in that weird way that is comes off as a mix of like one part like we're gonna hide our you know like oh we're gonna hide our cluelessness behind a, a a frosty um air of arrogance that that works well right that's a way to actually you know seem attractive to people right that's what i've read in these books and it's like no 
no, we don't. I don't like that. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't like your login. I don't recognize it. <laughs> so who really wins, Mr. Lester? So that's it, Graham. If Basically, that is your name. If that is your real name. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Troll Boner 6972. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, so that was it. It was kind of a bummer, basically. I mean, that's, that's, it genuinely sounds very frustrating. It sounds very annoying. I'm, I'm incredibly, uh, amused, not the right word, although maybe it is Mm -hmm. because by far the majority of what I've been reading this week has been DC Universe Infinite, Mm -hmm. uh, and has been specifically the reboot era of Legion of Superheroes. Mm. Uh, that I finally fucking started making lists on DC Universe Infinite for. Yes, DC Universe has lists. You can actually make your own reading list. I've spent all this time whining like a little baby about the fact that you don't really have that on Comixology, and I wanted it on the new app, and you sort of have it on Amazon, but you kind of really amazonology but you really don't but yeah dcui allows you to make reading lists and make them public or private and i don't know i've never used it and i should i i so i i honestly could not tell you what made me think oh i should do this at the start of last week but i was like i've only read like just a smattering of the reboot era of legion superiors which as everyone who's listens to this for any length of time knows i love the legion yes right and i was like i've read the start of it and i've read the end of it Okay, when you say reboot, do you mean the five years later? Or, or... No. So there is Supergirl in the. I mean, there's six no, reboots. That's, okay. that's the weird. That's the three boots. Okay, <laughs> so there's Legion of Superheroes original, right? Which lasts right. from whenever they're they're created, like fifty eight or something, mm-hmm. um, through to basically like ninety three, I think, or ninety four. Mm-hmm. Whatever Superhero is, so I think it's ninety four. Right. Right, and that includes five years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, five years theory, later is part of that. In okay, theory, yeah. that's all one. Yeah. Uh, continuity, except it's not because five years later actually is a reboot right in the middle of it. But well, and then like, Crisis, of course, fucks things up in the middle, even though they keep yeah, all the stuff. Right? But yeah, but mm-hmm. in theory, it's one continuous story, right? Right. And mm-hmm. then Zero comes along, and DC went, "Fuck it, we fucked up the Legion really badly. We're relaunching it entirely. We're mm-hmm. like flat out, flat." Up, flat up, flat down, whatever. Flat out, flat out. That's what I'm looking over. Uh, Jeff, I've been awake since 2.30 this morning. I'll get to that later. Oh, God! Uh, uh, no! Also, I believe uh, it's Flat Me Out, Flat Me Down, from uh, which is in a Maldivar movie. So I was going to say Maldivar. No, but they decided, like, we're just, we're completely rebooting it. Like, mm. we don't, we're going from the start. We're going from, like, it's it's Lightning Lad and it's Cosmic Boy and it's Saturn Queen. Saturn uh, Girl, rather. Um, and they're saving the life of RG Brand and then they're building team. We're right. starting from, like, year dot. Mm-hmm. And that's theory, the reboot Legion. Mm-hmm. That runs through 2006 or 2005 when it's rebooted again uh, with the Supergirl and the Legion era. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, informally known as the Three Boot Legion. Got it. Which lasts all of like two years before mm-hmm. the then current DC continuity starts referring to the original Legion right. as if the five years later storyline hadn't happened. Mm. Just mm. to complicate matters even more. And so they created a fourth continuity <laughs> of Legion. 
Um, and then, of course, now we have Bendis, so we're in our we're in our fifth like main continuity. I was talking about the second one, the the mid nineties through mid two thousands. Okay, and is that is that who's who's the team starting out on that? Uh, it's Mark me. Wade, it's Tom Payer, and it's Tom McCraw as the writers at okay. the start, mm-hmm. uh, and they say fairly consistent. They're there in various combinations. Uh, Roger Stern starts coming in mm. and, and sort of pitch hitting mm-hmm. uh, midway through. And then they last so they last about six years. And then around 2000, Dan Abbott and Andy Lanning take over for the last few years of it. Mm. Uh, and they came in with a zombie story. They came wow. in with Legion of the Damned, which is basically what if Legion of Superheroes met zombies. Right. Um, and it's great because it's, they literally just go, uh, well, of course they'd kill the Legion. Mm-hmm. And so Legion, because the, there are two Legion books, there's Legion Superiors and there's Legionnaires, right? Mm-hmm. And so the first six years, it is, it's like the Superman books, but less so mm-hmm. in that it's literally like, it's a two week book that they are, that are just two different books, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really one, one two week book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Abnett and Landon come on and they cancel both books. And they replaced it with Legion Lost, which is a 12-issue series, which is what if half of the Legion is lost in a different dimension? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, they come back to, like, quote-unquote, our dimension, and shit has happened because they've been gone for a year. Mm-hmm. Then they play, like, catch-up. Hmm. Right? Uh, and it's 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 fun. And, like, I'm familiar with that stuff. I'm not really familiar with the Wade, Pear, uh, McCraw era. And so I was like, I, sh- I should read that. But it's two books. Shit. <laughs> Why don't I just create a list? I, not really. Right. That's actually very easy. Mm-hmm. And it's really useful. Mm. Like it's And so there's like, I have a list with like 50 issues in. I have another list with like 80 issues in because it basically takes me all the way up to the Abnet Landing stuff. Right. Um, and it's it's just remarkably easy to use. And, and uh, remarkably fun comics. I should say, like I'm very much, it's a, it's an enjoyable reading experience and it's not going to blow anyone's mind. It's not reinventing the wheel in any sense uh-huh. It is basically for want of a better way of putting it, smart updates on familiar material. Mm. Mm. The wow. updates are smart. They, they do nice spins on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's again, it's not going to it's not going to change anything. Right, work. but it's, it's also sort of humble, stays in its lane kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, and it's and it's well done. Mm-hmm. The weird thing for me is, like I said, I didn't read this stuff really, but it is oddly nostalgic for me reading it, hmm. because it does play so much on the the history that I am familiar with. You know, so you're like, oh, here's a Sun Eater story. I know what that happens. You're like, here's here's. Um, Lightning Lad, although in this he's called Livewire because it's the nineties. Um, he here he is like losing his arm. You know, I know what happens in that story. Right, right, you exactly. Know? It's the Moby Dick it, of space, but it's it's sadly not this time. What? How can sadly they take away like he loses his arm and it's oh man, I I think I told you I had fucking nightmares about that weird green <laughs> lightning thing whale with the antenna this is a mean fucking thing oh that shit well, that shit so, me so up. one one of one of the things that's fun about this era is mm-hmm. they play the hits but they play the uh, entirely different arrangements of the hits i see right so you have you have the characters or versions of the characters but the stories are different or how they get there is different uh and that's honestly half of the fun of it sure 
you know so they, they, they're basically remixing the the, the material mm-hmm. to come up with again something that feels entirely authentic to the old comics but is different enough to be worth reading so i mean so this if you this would make sense i think if you focus more on say bendis's ultimate spider-man than miller and hitches the ultimates but yes very it's much. kind of like it, an it, it ultimates is. okay yeah, yeah, it it is. What's interesting is I didn't go that route at all. I was like, oh, it's post crisis Superman. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're basically again. You got the hits. You just didn't get them the, exactly the same way as they were before. Right. You know. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's Ultimate Spider-Man, and I would I would argue it's more. I don't know. More fun might not be right. Mm-hmm. It's more fun to me. Right. Um, but part of that is it's also really fast. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is a it is a book that moves. Uh, in part because you know at this point they had thirty odd years of continuity that they could play with, right? And so they could just go like, okay, this, this, haha, fuck you, know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they waste no time in killing off members of the team, which is which is a, a a kind of fun thing. And also they don't kill off the same members. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right, which is you know a, another fun thing. Where you, so you go into a story and you're like, well, this is the story where you know, yeah, too bad, Pharaoh things. lad, you're you're yeah. in for it now, yeah. right? And then they're like, no, dude, that's that's not the story. This is the story where Phantom Girl dies, and you're like, what? <laughs> Phantom Girl doesn't fucking die. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that does sound fun. And, and so you know, but again, I'm not sure. I don't know, because part, part of me is like, I'm not sure how much fun it is for people who aren't familiar with the original material they're playing with. But right. I guess it just reads like fun superhero stories to those people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, such is the hope. Although it's fascinating because, I mean, this, one of the things that I think is uh, weird or interesting about comics is is how you get stuff that gets so goddamn big that it kind of chokes itself off right like we've talked about this about the hawks pox and and kind of how the x-men had you know is stuck in that weird realm of you know being simultaneously tasked with doing something new and taking the characters in new places but also playing the hits you know but also do it differently but also do it the same yeah and i feel like i feel like the legion the legion in particular was I mean, which makes sense because I really feel like, you know, the X-Men fandom, really the prototype was the was the oh, Legion, Legion yes, fandom, yes. right? And Legion was huge back in the days in a, in a way that seems like really, I think, you know, that someone I think who's who wasn't there at the time would probably believe you in if you were telling them, but they wouldn't really get it. Like they're like, yeah, sure. Right. Like it was like that two that two years where Batman was big because of the TV show. It's like, no, 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 this was, this was big. This like kept dozens of fanzines afloat. Like, yeah, but sh- like Le- Legion was like one of DC's biggest titles in the eighties. Yeah, right. It had right. two ongoing books for a while. Yeah, Ongoing books. And the number of people that voted for the chairman, which again, yeah. just a brilliant idea of like who leads the team is decided by the readers is genius. Um, there's just a ton of shit that's there with that. But 
So all of which is to say, like, part of me is like, it would be fun if uh, the the payer Wade McGraw run of Legion was Ultimate Legion that just like Ultimate Spider-Man was running at the same time as the quote the other Legion real book. Yeah, but that's not the case, right? Like it is No, no, it it literally takes over. Yeah. So by the time the like the quote unquote original timeline of Legion ends, which, mm-hmm. you know, again is theoretically five years later timeline. Right. Um the book is broken. Like in in major ways, some of which were accidental and some of which were intentional, but also mm-hmm. accidental. So <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So you've got Pod Crisis and Infinite Earths, which rewrites the timeline, removing Superboy, who yeah. is the entire purpose for the book to exist. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's oh, oof. which is a problem. Yeah. Okay. And they come up with a workaround, which is basically there was a Superboy. He's a Superboy from a pocket universe. Yeah. Which it's fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little and clunky, so but it sort of works. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I said it's a little clunky, but it works. You it know? works, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so five years later comes along, and it's Giffen and the the beer bombs, and you know they're they're being edgy. Like Giffen is Red Watchman, and he's like, I can fucking do this with Legion. Great, let's go, team. Right. Um. But then, really early on, uh, the Superman office is like, yeah, you can never even mention the Pocket Universe again. Wow. You just can't mention Superboy. And then Giffen, in his lunacy, makes the first of a couple of really bad choices. Uh huh. Where he goes, I'll just reboot everything and remove them. Mm hmm. But mm-hmm. I'll do it in story. Wow. And so, because there are multiple characters in Legion, like Mythos, uh, that can fuck around with time. Yes. Two villains start fighting and rewrite the timeline. Right, right. Which makes, right? again, like kind of an extension of what happened with the first sort of adjustment with Time Trapper in the pocket universe. So. Yeah, right? So it's, again, clunky, but sure. Okay, right. Let, let's go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's particularly clunky because it happens in like issue four of the series. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and they just do it by, they do it in like the most giffen way possible which is they rewrite time at the end of I, again i might be fudging the issue numbers but i think it's issue three they rewrite time entirely mm-hmm. and so issue four is in a timeline which then ceases to exist at the end of that issue <laughs> and then you find the timeline moving forward <laughs> right again it's very fucking keith giffen of, of like 1989 yeah right yeah, for sure but it's also genuinely confusing to read especially because Five years later, Legion under Giffen is obtuse as kind. Yeah. yeah. Right? It is, it is bloody-minded in terms of a reading experience. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, like, you get a lot of fans who are like, it's the greatest Legion ever. And I understand why they're saying it, but I'm also like, you're a, you're a fan who loves being a fan mm. and, like, loves knowing things. Because as a reading experience, Five Years Later Legion is not easy. Well, yes. I mean, ironically enough, 
long-time listeners of the podcast may remember, by which I mean maybe even Graham himself may remember, that at the behest of Empress Audrey, we did read, I think, the first year of five years yeah. uh, later. And I wish more of it stuck with me than it did, because I'm like, oh, yeah, I. but I remember the tone, and I remember, like you said, the the difficulty in parsing what was happening um, because there is some, like you said, Giffen at that point had read Watchmen and there were things that were really exciting to him, but I think it, you really can't understate how much, um, both more, and I'll put a huge amount of the, the heavy lifting on Dave Gibbon's shoulders are able to make some what is at the time very dynamic storytelling jumps i think perfectly clear yes whereas giffen in his own very ambitious way was already experimenting with for lack of a better term like the amount of information you need to put on a page to to get it so yeah, and, and and doing so in such a way of he was trying to reduce it. Yes, absolutely. Like, he was going, he was going intensive on this. He was literally like, if I draw a panel and it's just someone's shoulder, yes, and there's a speech balloon, but there's no context for it. Will the reader understand? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In many cases, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But like, he's fucking trying. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it. And it also, it's one of those things that's very ironic, is it made sense when it was, when it's Giffen doing work titles with, you know, one title, one main character and a couple of supporting characters, or it even makes sense when you've got him and he's moving into that gear with someone like Paul Levitz, who's going to dutifully make sure that you can tell who is saying what to whom, because, even if they, well, it gets a little expositiony. Or, or for that matter, it works when he's doing it with, like, Justice League because you know what Batman looks like. Well, yeah, One of the things about Five Years Later Legion is all of the characters are suddenly, A, five years older, but B, out of costume and not referring to themselves by their superhero names anymore. But in many cases also, they've lost limbs. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, I mean, just that – just the classic Giffen trope of somebody – with their back to you wearing a trench coat is saying something to a shadowy figure in half under an overpass. And given did that was the era of given not liking to draw faces. Everything was in such dramatic lights that like mm-hmm. you would see maybe some hair and the rest would be in shadow at a trench coat. Yeah. Right. But and, space and that... trench coat. Cause it's a thousand years in the future. Well, see, that's it. And, Everyone was wearing a fucking space trench coat. So you're like, who am I? How am I? Is that hair red or brown? Because it makes a huge difference on who this person might be. And I can't fucking tell for the life of me. Yeah. um, Okay. So so wait. So that's just like, so the rebooting (laughs) of the timeline twice in two issues is just the first of his mistakes. Yeah. Second mistake is uh, something that sounds like a bad joke, but is actually happened. And uh, it turns out to be even less thought out than it sounds, mm-hmm. which is midway through the, the given plotted run, uh, he reintroduces Legion superheroes, by which I mean mm. he introduces like the Silver Age versions. Mm. 
And he goes, yeah, they've been kept in stasis for all these years. Maybe they're the originals or maybe they're clones. He does the clone saga. Right. right. Or, or, or Bendis' or secret ones, invasion yeah, in a way. Or maybe the, the ones you've been reading about are the clones and right. these are the originals. That's okay? right. Yeah. Who knows? Here's the wacky thing, Jeff. You ready? Yes. Giffen didn't care what the answer was. He said mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. He also had a plan of like, basically killing off half of both teams and then merging the two teams. But he also didn't have a plan as to who that would be and, according to legend, was literally going to pick names out of a hat. Which is, on the one hand, like, hilarious, but on yeah. the other hand, what the living shit. Well, right? which is a good question, yeah. So Kevin actually leaves, leaves the book before that happens. Mm-hmm. Right? He basically introduces these, maybe clones, maybe originals, introduces the idea that, like, someone somewhere is a clone, doesn't resolve it, and leaves the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leaves it also by destroying Earth, which is hilarious. <laughs> He just outright blows Earth up and, right. then, and then fucks off, which mm-hmm. is, again, also funny. But he – he, so so you're left with like – it's five years later. Everything's space dystopia with space trench coats. Mm-hmm. And you've got the Silver Age versions of the characters running around. Who, Which one is the real one? Who the fuck knows? Right. Uh, and DC in its wisdom, question mark, goes, we'll just create a second book called Legionnaires and that will be the younger ones. And – We'll kind of imply that they are the clones, but maybe they're not the clones. We'll never actually properly address it, unless I'm misremembering. I'm fairly sure they don't definitively say that they're the clones. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly, like, certainly for the most part, believed that the, the younger ones are the clones, right? Um, but we'll keep both going uh, simultaneously. Wow. Uh, but the books will be unrelated aside from that. Mm-hmm. They'll share a setting. And they'll share characters, but different versions of the same characters, because one set's clones. You know, uh, this also reminds me, weirdly, of the Marvel Ultimate Universe, but like toward the end, you know, where there was just so much weird bleed over and they kept, I mean, of course, they, you know, they were going to start having crossovers between who was going to survive from the Ultimate Universe at post-Secret Wars or whatever. Like Ultimate Miles Fallout and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, right. Where you're just like, um, wait, it's, are these real characters? Are these the real versions of the characters? But also that weird thing of like, okay, so we've, you know, DC's like, instead of doing what I had suggested, which is like, you've got your original flavor Legion book and you've got your Ultimate Legion book, like, they're doing that but they're in the same universe but they're ignoring each other like just sounds yeah, pretty much insane and, and so they're like okay but legionnaires is for people who miss the old school legion right but you can't have the like upbeat fun adventures anymore because remember earth's been blown up <laughs> right i'm like you know everyone's still emerging from the aftermath of war and the uh, what are they called? Dominators, the Dominion, whatever they're called, like have been are still controlling Earth's government, which is a subplot from the Legion of Superheroes book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know it's your fun original Legion, except it's not. Right, exactly. Right. Meanwhile, the main Legion book, when Giffen leaves, stumbles forward, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Like Giffen may not have necessarily known where he was going. Like I'm fairly sure he didn't, but at least he was 
as you know everything I've just said makes clear, like shameless enough to just be like, fuck it, let's go. Well, yeah, right. Let, let, I mean, let's go no matter what. Let's fucking go. I right? there's there's there is that thing that I think we do, we touch on every so often, but we don't really. I don't know if we ever really touch on it enough. The idea of the number of comic book writers from that history, from that era that are more open about it. But, you know, you read about it all throughout where essentially there's so much improv involved in crafting a comic where it's like things change and like you first you were heading one place, but now you're in a different place because editorial yanked your thing and then you got to do something else. And now you've got a data that some of them are just like, well, fuck plotting. I have a general idea and then I figure it out as I go. And that's, you know, that's the way that Englehart will do it or, yeah, yeah. you know, priest is talking about I, doing I, it. Giffen's Giffen's Giffen is clearly all, doing Giffen it. is almost that. Like, yes. To the max. Yes. Really is like I don't yeah. know which ones are the fucking clones. Does it matter? Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't have. He doesn't. He really haven't into his story at all. He just yeah. started starting. He's like, well, we'll see how I fucking feel when I have to finish it. Yeah, um, exactly. So by the time Zero Hour comes along and Zero Hour is again like you know Crisis Two, mm-hmm. um, you know th- there is the opportunity to to reboot. There, like you know, time is be- time is being fucked around with. Mm-hmm. And so DC clearly decides, okay, let let's go, let's 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 pull the trigger, and let's mm-hmm. just start over because it it the book's a mess by this point. Right. Like the, like half of the stories are literally invalidated anyway, wow. because of you know because of the number of reboots we've had to pull on it. Yeah, um, the 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 two books don't really have an identity anymore, but they do have an entirely arcane. Uh, continuity, uh, even just to these books, which are, you know, at that point, three years old. Mm. Like, Good it, Lord. Almost impenetrable. Mm-hmm. Right? So DC were clearly like, okay, fuck it. We'll start over. Right. <laughs> we'll start over and see if we can do any better. And honestly, they do. Mm-hmm. But again, this is someone who likes the original, original books saying that. Right. And I suspect that like again, these books clearly sold well enough for a number of years to sustain two ongoing titles. Yeah, right. Because yeah, Legion yeah. Legionnaires continue all the way through the uh, Abnett Landing coming on board. Right. Uh, but I I would be surprised if there were many uh, new fans coming on board mm-hmm. because. The tone of these books, while utterly enjoyable to me, feels completely out of step with anything that was selling well in the 1990s in superhero comics. Right, right. No, it's not image, um, and it's but it's also not the like. Despite Wade being involved, it's not Wade's Flash, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it's not got that level of. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the appeal of Wade's Flash. Like Wade's Flash was retro, but like tongue and cheek retro almost. Oh, interesting. And, and the the weird thing, like it's very self consciously retro. I think. The, I and think for self consciousness is a lot a large part of the appeal. One of the things that I thought, and I could be very wrong, but for me, part of the appeal of Wade's Flash is that it is. 
it's sort of it, it's sort of retro and i think he kind of hit this with his daredevil too it is it is a step back of things while while everything moves forward you know what i mean because it's wall it's wally west it's still it's still wally dealing with what was handed to him by barry you know like wade starts lead like by leaning into the legacy stuff and that's sort of where it sort of felt like dc was between that and for me the john's goyer jsa is kind of like oh this is kind of how you get both things at once by having legacy stuff you have characters that have have moved on because they're not the original it's not the original barry allen you know i was gonna say the original flash which is even barry allen wasn't but you know but then you also get a that gives you the opportunity to tell the you know oh shit i'm looking at a situation where blank is blank blank you know and if you've read the original titles you're like oh that's totally hilarious you know whatever it happens to be Barry can't be on time because he's now possessed by a, a, a speed ninja, you know, or whatever it ends up being. Yes. It's speed <laughs> I, no, I was I like, what's the Savitar? No, Sav- <laughs> was he called Savitar? He was called Savitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. He, but he was a speed ninja. Yes. Yes. I, uh, I, and, anyway, but, but uh, like Legion yes. isn't even that. Legion this might be uh i'm you know i'm this might purely be me legion feels more sincerely nostalgic uh and more reverential even as it's like it's re- it's literally rewriting the past that makes sense but but it it feels like it's 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 trying to uh honor the intent in a way that i think sometimes waste flash and i say this as a big fan of waste flash um, is almost not poking fun at it, but is very aware of how silly it could be and embraces the silliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and also what you said about legacy there just made me think. Go, you're not paying attention to like DC superhero books right now, are you? Uh, no, I'm really, I'm really not. Apart from the one that I'm going to talk about that is a creator-owned Vertigo series in just a minute. So. Um, but uh, I, I think that DC is leaning really heavily into the legacy now. Like, uh-huh. even more so than it did in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's I think it's very intentional for the, the the big crossover event that we're coming up. But it's... It, it's, it, it's I feel they're very intentionally doing what you are... You're describing them doing in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I think it feels like that is like the marching orders almost mm-hmm. for, for where, you know, the big characters are right now. Mm-hmm. You see, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so it's, it's, I, all of this started because I, all I really meant to say was I've been using a lot of DC universe infinite and I've been using the lists and it feels the very opposite of your experience with the mind gap. Right. Because I, I'm, I've been surprised by how easy it has been. But also mm-hmm. how I don't have to think in order to set up and then consume, like, honestly, you know, a shit ton of comics. Like, you know, I've read, like, maybe 50 comics from this list this week. Wow. Yeah. You know? And it just mm-hmm. took, you know, a good half hour or something of me setting it up beforehand. Right. Right. That's pretty great. And 
And interesting? Like, as in, like, hmm, like, we should do something with that, Graham. Like, no, I, I have I have thought more than once uh, that we should set up, like, lists that we can share with, with whatnots. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And in fact, if you don't mind, I don't know what you're what you're if maybe you can give that a shot in the next 24 hours to make the list that you were talking I about i my i mean my list is not private so can i share it i think you can so if you send me that link i, I can know put it in i'm the not show sure notes. if i can hmm. well, why would you make lists see. private if you couldn't share they're, them? They're, yeah they're not it's not i didn't make anything private mm-hmm. let me see because I know I there's know. a thing. As oh, wait, apparently I did make it private without realizing. How did oh, that happen? okay. Well, well, we'll look into it. Listeners, check out the show notes. Maybe if we have our act together, there will be yeah, a list. Yeah, put this way. If this list is private and I can't unmake it private, I might just make a new list. Oh, well, that's wild. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, it's the whole thing of like, then we can share it. For those of you who have DC UI, which are only going to be people in the United States because there are people like, I feel like the, this particular section... I feel like section, every single time I mention the DCI, yeah. people are like, oh, when's it coming out internationally? I wish I knew. Yeah, yeah, right? You know? I mean, I'd be curious as to why it's not, but I have theories. You know, that's all I ever have. But it's, it, yeah, I who knows? Who knows? But all of which is to say, for a certain small subset of wait what listeners, which is to say those of you in the U.S. who do have DCUI, who do check out our show notes, check out our show notes. Hopefully we'll have something for you. We may not. But I do like having that idea of being able to share those kinds of resources. I think that would be really fun, you know. Um, and it just never, it wasn't until you were literally talking about it this time. I'm like, oh, fuck, Gramps got that list. I should have him share it with me. I'm like... We should share it with the whatnots. You know, it's like that galaxy brain meme. Just like, we will create weekly curated reading lists. Big globe brain lighting up. Or not. I want to talk about the nice house on the lake. Uh, it had a better oh, segue please. back when you were talking back about... Back when I was talking about, are you reading DC books? Well, that and also like kind of that thing of, of nostalgia and recreating experiences. I suppose, because one of the things that's really great is the first six issues of Nice House on the Lake were out, and is I believe the first trade. Um, I think there was a minor gap because it feels like it's been a while. The Nice House on the Lake oh, issue they, seven came out. Yeah, yeah. they mm -hmm. they I don't know if they delayed it or they took a gap, but the trade and the seventh issue came out at the same time, so you basically can go into a store this week and have the entire thing. Yeah, and I think that seven is a fabulous jump forward in a lot of ways in terms of the first six issues i like it almost felt like we're kind of spinning their wheels the first i don't know three or four issues where it's kind of like a variation on this um and nice house on the lake issue seven does uh i'm i apologize for for recycling tweets but it's it's where i'm at in some ways um there is a thing that uh, Tinian does with his trans character that is super smart and super clever as a way of 
pivoting the storyline because the story, which is about essentially the closest friends of Walter come to a weekend that he's, you know, tried to get everyone together to just spend a lovely weekend at his lake house. And then while he is there, they are there, the end of the world happens and they have been more or less pulled aside by him because he knew the end of the world was coming. They are his friends. He wants to put them in a place where they can just be safe and enjoy themselves and be happy because he didn't want them to be hurt because he loves them. The ways in which the first few issues of them finding their footing and trying to figure out the rules of the place that they're in and being shocked and horrified and not sure if they should become complacent. Uh, one of the things that I really like about issue seven is at the um, the end of issue six, there is a finale, which I sort of missed due to some weird drawing cues, unfortunately, but is is um, kind of not a surprise for anyone who remembers, I guess, the end of the first season of The Good Place. Um and so as issue seven kicks in with uh, Walter, who was previously a character, you know, who pulled everyone aside and then had more or less disappeared. He's now in the center of the narrative and no one knows that the narrative has been rebooted. Has been reset. Um, yeah. One of the things Wait. that's. Yeah. Okay. No, I have a question, but I'll, I'll let you keep going. Okay, so one of the things that is really wonderful is you may remember Graham, and it was something that I thought was super well handled in Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, where the trans character is able to resist uh, Zemnu's uh, reality-bending narrative powers by essentially being someone who's like, I've... I've always had to reject the narrative that has been put on me. Like I have so much experience with being able to reject that, that I was able to see what was going on and, and essentially save us all in the nice house on the lake. The seventh issue. What's great is the trans character is so much basically literally like you only knew me when, for the most part, when we were the closest friends were when I didn't know, either I didn't know who I was or I was not showing who I was, but you've never really known me. And so you don't know who I am. This is the thoughts that the, she is having in her head of like, you think that I was this person and you loved me because I, this person but that person was not truly me and then you don't know who I am and I am not happy about this and the other thing that's super great about Nice House on the Lake is that it's as I was reading it I was very impressed at how it seemed to be a narrative in which um, today's more you know today's generation and their what their their sexual identity their different sexual identity was very much centered in a way that made a lot of sense like walter who ends up being this strange shape you know shape-changing alien who's you know the members of his race are essentially 
destroying Earth except for a sample set that he has preserved is um, is bi or gay. He's it, it seems very strongly that he he is primarily if he is bi he's primarily involved in in uh relationships with other men and so some of his closest you know exes that become super dear friends or people that were his crushes but you know then also his you know platonic gal pals like all of those people are gathered or centered in in the narrative and at first it seems like oh this is just tinian sort of you know, rapping about where the kids are at kind of thing. And in his own experience as a, a bi male, which is a bi cis male, I should say, which is fabulous. But the seventh issue of the nice house on the lake, like certain things just, he just rotates it just a little bit. And you realize that I think that there's a very good chance that the nice house on the lake one of its main themes and one of its main the the unique um sort of poignant horror bubbling underneath it is it's about um the desire for heteronormative relationship status or heteronormative acceptance or the gay acceptance of heteronormative values is actually the crux of the the horror of the of the book and so it really went from like i was like oh yeah i'm really enjoying this this guy's got like it's i finally you know he's he it feels like reading someone who is talented who is like lived life who is young and is actually of his age and isn't just trying to recycle Todd McFarlane comics, Brian Bendis comics, even Scott Snyder comics. Like he's trying to do his own thing. And this one was the one where I was like, oh, oh, oh shit. Like this could end up being something way closer to get uh, the, the today's queer version of get out, I guess. And I really, except since it's the nice house on the lake, it would probably be called stay in. Um, And it's, it's really good, Graham. It's really good. I don't know if you've fallen behind, and I hope I didn't give too many spoilers I, I, to no, you or the listeners. The but I'm too far ahead, and I read a preview of issue seven like a month ago. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm like, oh shit. I, I'm so part of me is like, I'm not sure I'm remembering this correctly. So you mm-hmm. can tell me. Mm-hmm. What I liked about the end of issue six was it resets everything. Yes, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because as you see, seven Nora's been left out, right. right? Right. Nora has been excluded. Yeah. Um, and it's the exclusion, and also the idea of, and I think this was an issue six, and maybe I'm misremembering that the world hasn't ended at all. That all that, of this, right. all of this is an experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that Nora is not only aware of, but also according to, and again, I might be misremembering, so you'll have to tell me, is the end of issue seven not that Walter essentially says, like, I've left you out for a reason, but that reason is you're going to help me with the experiment? Um, 
That is, I cannot remember the character who turns up in six, who basically is the same. The one who is, uh, what's his name? Because Nora, it's... Nora is the trans character who's been kept yes. out. Yes, and who, who, in... who is who is kept who is who is originally included in the first six issues? Yes, and is the, and is then bumped from it essentially. Yes, exactly. Whereas, what's the name of the character that's the other high school friend that is... Who gets swapped in. Who gets right? swapped in, who was out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where is it? Where's his name? Because the, the, the exclusion... I can't remember the names. But the exclusion right. of Nora this time around changes yes. the character dynamics in the house. Yes. Is, is part of the... Is part of the the quote-unquote game, part of the resetting of the experiment. Yeah, part of right? the reset Cause, of cause the experiment, Wal- yeah. Walter basically shows up and talks to someone, and I can't remember who it is, but that person is like, I'm really pissed at Nora for not showing up. Because it's not yes. just that Nora wasn't invited, it's that Nora was invited and didn't appear now. Yes. And instead, Nora has has been purposefully excluded. And excluded right. from everything. Like, isn't in the rest of the world either. Yes. Nora's, Nora's been kept in limbo until she's not. And yeah, so she's she's, she's in the same sort of quote unquote guest house that Reg or whatever his name is, uh, the character who we don't really see until until issue six. Um, and yes, you're right. the The last couple of pages are Walter and Nora talking uh, in in the guest house and essentially being able to, you know, Nora's going to be able to see everyone, but can't really. You know, it's like a little house for you in North's jail, yeah. cell, prison cage. And it's a zone. yeah. What's that? It's the Phantom Zone. Yeah, it, I guess you're right. It is kinda of like the Phantom Zone. Um and that's right. Uh so the But, the, but the, the does it not end does it not end with, with Walter basically being like, You're gonna help me? Yes. Well, what says is is Nora says, what is the point of this, Walter? What do you want with me? And Walter says, I want to convince you that I'm doing the right thing, and then I want your help. So yes, you are correct in that. That is how Seven ends. Because I feel I feel that's I feel that's really different from shit. I've forgotten the the character in, in Mortal Hulk's name. Uh, oh, scientist. What is her name? What's yes. her fucking name? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um. It's uh, I can see her too. So let's see, uh, Mortal Hulk. Uh, it right. is right? McGowan, Charlene McGowan. Charlene, yeah, Charlene, yeah, yeah. Because Charlene. Charlene's Charlene's thing is is not uh, like Walter has excluded Nora, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Charlene excludes herself. Does that make uh, sense? Like I, that that feels like a very important difference. Uh, that that is a very important difference, but what I'm talking about is the the pages when we first see Nora excluded and in the dark, and you get her internal monologue. She's she's like, um, there was this big thing about me that you didn't see coming. Don't you get it, Walter? You never actually knew me. You just had a fucking version of me in your head that you wanted to exist. I'm sorry Norm wasn't real. He was made up. This is me. And you have never tried to get to know who I actually am. So that 
I mean, and so that is to me like you're like, oh yeah, that that's what I mean in the sense of Charlene is able to reject Zenmu's narrative and and undo it and. What we see in Nice House on the Lake 7 isn't exactly clear because in terms of where it's going to go, because Walter is trying to get uh, Nora's help at the end of it. But again, Nor- he, what we know from those scenes, those internal monologues, that is we don't know if Walter knows them or not, but he is thinking that he is dealing with with one character and in fact dealing with another his inability to understand the trans experience that he's assuming that he gets it there's like oh yeah no i get it you were you know you were you're you're like a gay guy who feels more comfortable in a woman's body and it was like no i and and that element of it to me feels very important and like i said it feels to me like an extension although it's just a horrible it the comparison is going to seem glib and i can see why you're kind of like ah it doesn't really match for me but charlene's thing is was very much uh i'm able to reject this narrative of the world because i because i have always been rejecting narratives of the world right exactly i had to learn how to reject the darkest yeah my my reality versus everyone else's yeah exactly and and the additional step of that that i think is where things really hit for me is is that in nice house issue seven nora is like you never knew me and you think that you do and considering this is a this is a story about a jailer who loves who's who's imprisoned the people that he loves the most like that is that weird like oh this this is the gap like you you see yeah, what I, could I, be the gap. I see where you're going. I'm just I'm not necessarily sure it's that is where it's going, if that makes sense. It might not. Because Nora could be wrong, first of all. Mm-hmm. Like Nora is purposefully an unreliable narrator. Right? Mm-hmm. For all we know, Walter is very aware of who Nora is. Mm-hmm. But also in that things have changed and things have been reset with the sixth issue, mm-hmm. that also could have been the point where Walter realized that he didn't know who Nora was, and that's why he excluded her from the reboot. Right? I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like you were saying, "Haha!" They're like, it's a signal of a pivot, of a future pivot, and I'm mm-hmm. not convinced that pivot is going to happen. Well, that is that is certainly true. Um, what I like about it is, and it's always hard to do this with a work in progress, you know, but I do like the idea of if this is where it's going and there may be additional pivots along the way and things, but that is for, if, if Walter is a sign of destructive, uh, homogenousness, like Antinian's point is about the way that that sort of homogenous acclamation is a mirror of, say, um, you know, corporate gender embracing. 
You know what I mean? Like Walter can be a, a substitute for Disney's corporations, like embrace of gay characters while also supporting anti-gay narratives in their or or supporting anti-gay whatever the thing that came up recently is but you know what i'm saying essentially corporations love to talk about how they love the people that they're oppressing but really all they want is the quote-unquote their help to succeed with their plan which is essentially acceptance of you know homogeneity and destruction right so so it can very much be that narrative so he can still tinian could still be going along that path and so it could be the idea that what we think we're seeing is going to see is a lesson is walter quote unquote learning the lesson of who nora really is and the bad evil reveal is like you said he's known all along or at least he's known that what he needs is her acquiescence and quote-unquote help to be able to get what he needs you know so you see what i'm saying like i'm sort of like i'm like graham i understand why you disagree but it's very important that you understand why you're wrong um you know (laughs) before before the conversation can go hello did you mute yourself or did you just leave leave did you leave the podcast Uh, no no this was me muting myself i'm sick i'm sorry (laughs) Okay. Uh, what, what, all you missed was me saying, I think you just, like, I think that's the podcast. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait, which part's the podcast? You're you're saying the, that's the experience of the podcast? No, the, 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 I understand why you think that I'm wrong, but I need you to understand that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yes. That, that, I'm glad. I'm glad. We're, we're both, we're both attuned to the same quote unquote joke. Um, Wow, now I want to die. Okay, so... <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I'm glad you're liking the comic. Because I seem to remember you were cooler on it uh, when it started. What? Oh, okay. Well, there was a point where I started off by like, oh my god, it's lovely. And by issue three, I'm like, it's lovely, but is it going someplace? Is it happening? Why are all these chat logs in place of narratives? But yeah, no, I'm I'm... I'm, now you're back on board. I'm, 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 yes, bigger and better than ever, true believers. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Also, similarly, as you may recall, I was super down on the second issue of Avengers Forever, a.k.a. the Mel Gibson trick of let's progress the narrative and sympathy for the main character by torturing them relentlessly. And uh, issue three kicks it into... Uh, a higher, better gear? I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where Aaron Cooter's art looks nice and it's weird how much Jason Aaron's apparently got addicted to the cheap drug that were all the um, pre-Secret War crossovers because he is just so into the idea of like, oh, you know what's awesome? the infinity thing where it's Ben Grimm and he went into space, but all of his different rocks are different colored infinity stones. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, there's a lot of Avengers forever where I'm like, yeah, this is all, um, it's fine. 
I I mean, no, it's it's that weird thing of it, it's 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 very it's very much the definition of empty calories. Like, you know, it's it's a good it's a good pull at the if you need to go through um the drive through, Marvel's drive through, definitely of order the Avengers Forever meal. Like you're kind of like Oh, it's, well, I I'm I'm really curious about that cuz uh for the newsletter I read the King Conan series to date. Yes. Just, right. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of a nicer way of saying, I remember when I used to like Jason Aaron's writing yeah, a lot. That's right. yes. And King Conan is really fucking rough. Like yeah. was his, was his primary Conan series like that? I, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of got tuned out to like, honestly, I was reading the first 12 issues that he did that first 12, 10 or 12 issues of Conan and there were things in it that I liked, but I was kind of like, eh. I mean, this is my problem is there's – there's Aaron seems to work in a couple of different um, palettes and with, the, with his Marvel books. And I've never followed him consistently enough to follow all of his things. Like, I think that the sort of – like, there's kind of the – fun smart ass Jason Aaron that I would like to say probably popped up in in uh Wolverine and the X-Men. Um Yeah. Hit, which his, is which is like which I loved. I thought that was a really fun book. Right. But also a fun X-Men book, if that makes yes. sense. Like yeah, yeah. it felt very much in tune with a version of X-Men I remember that has mm-hmm. more lists to exist for most people. Right. And so I think so I think that I think that you have you have fun Aaron, you have dark Aaron, and you have epic saga Aaron, right? And I think I've only skittered around quote unquote dark Aaron and and dipped my toes a little bit into smart ass fun Aaron. But like some of his bigger epic epic stuff, um, I haven't really paid much attention to like i didn't i didn't read thor i haven't i never made it through whatever his his event was um out or well that was the oh, second original one sin original sin right there was original sin and then war of the realms and original you know Sin's a wacky read jeff i kind of feel like original sin is very much up your alley well, exactly, because it sounded like super grim and like, oh, I didn't want to read it. And then people are like, yeah, it's all about the orb. And I'm like, wait, yeah, and that, yeah, what? And then the orb shows up and he fucking steals yeah. an eye and there's Ruby Tuesday from the headman. And you're like, what? Yeah. And so and so there's a lot of goofy Aaron that really loves the Marvel minutia stuff. And he's sort of working like Avengers Forever reminds me of some of the stuff. Again, very much derived from Aaron being like, oh, I really like what Morrison's doing in Multiversity or the lead up to Multiversity, where it's just like, yeah, you can take a character and you can spin out endless iterations of them. And it's a great way to talk about what the character is or does or represents for you without having to say anything because you're literally showing it, right? And so Aaron is kind of into that, but he's also at the same time trying to serve two or three different other masters. So he's trying to craft an epic 
and he's trying to do it with what he perceives is the most acceptable amount of dark grim you know sort of faux grim dark flavorings for people to you know for the fans that stand in line at comic cons to tell him that he's so goddamn cool and it just it it does feel kind of played out like avengers forever is the third issue of 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 Aaron's second Avengers book that is, you know, still tied into these mega sweeping storylines that, as you pointed out, never really seem to go anywhere. Wait, is it actually part of the primary Avengers storyline? I thought it was his own book. It's its own book, but it's spun out of the, the Avengers 50 has this whole set of this army of Deathlocks pop into the Avengers Mountain, because uh, Avenger Prime of the multiverse has sent them on a quest to basically help prevent their destruction, because an intergalactic group of uh, dimension hopping villains that are kind of like amalgam composites of just Marvel things, so like the black skull which is the red skull but with the with the venom suit on so he's got powerful all these powerful symbiotes at his control and his unflagging hatred and then you've got whatever the hell the goblin is but it's basically the cosmic ultimates of all these characters and in true semi-morrison fashion they've been moving through the multiverse destroying the avengers and subjugating everyone you know planet by planet by planet and now here they are just on the threshold and so what happens is Robbie Reyes from the Avengers book leaves in 50 with the Deathlock and pops up at the beginning of Avengers Forever 1 and he's the character that we've been following so oh wow okay and meanwhile under the Magenistron issues the villains that are torturing and threatening and are the unstoppable threat in Avengers Forever have been kicking the Avengers ass over in the other title for the last issue or two and I don't know how that's going to resolve if they're going to resolve it Resplit it, or you know, again, Aaron being Aaron, he probably won't resolve it, and he'll kick it down the line in a way that some people, a lot of people, and especially Graham McMillan, will find deeply unsatisfying. And to be I, fair, yeah, I have as well. I have definitely my my ardor uh, for Avengers has cooled and gone, frankly, embarrassing. Avengers Forever started off like, oh, this will be a little bit more of a pip. And then after the all torture issue, I'm like, I've made a huge mistake. And then three came out. I'm like, oh, kind of a pip. And I feel like that's that's the last four years of reading Aaron's Marvel work, admittedly just on Avengers but also kind of on Conan has been for me. It is, and frankly, I never got through his Thor run because his very first Thor run, which is like, here's the, here's King Thor, modern Thor and young Thor. And they're all there to take out, you know, the, the Thor God or the, Thor, yeah, the killer. Thor killer, Gore, God Gore killer, Butcher Gore or the like God that, killer. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Summer Chad never screaming at the Bird, screaming Bercher, at Bergorchor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Chad is just the same way that we probably killed off beloved friend of the podcast, Martin Gray, by all of our DCUI Legion of Superheroes talk. Um, we're now gunning for Chad. We're just, each one of you, we're just going to 
personally talk in a way that will make you like have an aneurysm. I didn't like that stuff then because it felt like it then it felt like, oh, this is a pip, uh, super dark. Oh, but now it's super dark. Oh, but it's kind of a pip kind of again. I think that's kind of the tone of modern comics because I'm like, oh, shit, that's kind of describing death metal, too, in a way like Snyder before he was leaving D.C. on his way out. The D.C.U. door is like I'm telling the biggest, darkest story, but it's also kind of goofy and fun. And it's like, but that's why it's about eternal damnation and why they all die. But we have to have hope. And meanwhile, Jeff Johns is like, everything is going according to plan. Yes, indeed. Let um, let me tell you, Jeff. Yes, because you are yes. not keeping up with all the, the DC books right now. Um, <laughs> I, well, did did you? Because I have I've talked about this on Twitter, and I I don't know if you you kept up with it. Did you see the the sort of retcon slash you know reimagining of the massive DC mythology at the start of um, Justice League Infinite the other month? No. Um. So. The short version is, do you remember the Swamp Thing Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover issues? Of course. And do you remember that they were all teaming up against, like, basically darkness? The yes, very concept the dark of darkness? hand that reaches out and, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. So oh, that, is that dark side? Oh, no, the great darkness? No, no, no. That's oh. the great darkness. Uh-huh. Oh, that, that is, is the great darkness. darkness. Okay. Um... But also, the Great Darkness is behind all of the DC event books until this point. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. Also, the Great Darkness, the hand of the Great Darkness mm-hmm. from Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. is the empty hand from Multiversity. Ooh! Wow. Okay, I gotta admit, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind. That's kind of great. Kind of tantalized. Yeah, that's like, nice. I kind is... of, I kind of legit love that. That's um, that's no, Josh th- Williamson. Yes, there's there's dot connecting there that I kind of was like, that's actually kind of great. Yeah, that, for like, sure. I I really like that. Um, and the and you know because there's it's fair to say a lot of things were left under uh, unresolved at the end of Multiversity. Yes, and Josh Williamson and Dennis Culver apparently just looked at Multiversity and like, okay, we'll sort this out. So, you want the origin of the gentry and what the gentry's purpose is? There. Do you want to know how Final Crisis actually makes more sense than it seemed to at the time? There. Wow. Yeah. The whole thing. They basically are like, okay, we're going to try and make this one story for real. Holy shit. I gotta admit, I'm into that. It fucking works. Wow. Um, The gentry is living up to his name Mm -hmm. by gentrifying... What is left of the old multiverse before Crisis and Infinite Earths? Mm. Hmm. Because the darkness has as much as like a uh, non-sentient force can. Mm-hmm. As realized that uh, to follow along with the sort of Morrisonian concept, superheroes are antibodies protecting the DC universe. Hmm. And so superheroes have to be eradicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way the darkness will basically take over everything. Right. It won't be able to infect it unless they can destroy the antibodies. And so Infinite Frontier from 
I guess, the 2020, I guess, Infinite Frontier was? Mm-hmm. Or 2021? Oh, it was 2021. Um, yeah. Infinite Frontier is, you know, I have taken the new setup of the DC Universe as, as left at Death Metal and mm-hmm. said, there's two new Earths. One of them's called Elseworld that we're just not dealing with at all. One of them's Earth Omega. Darkseid's there. That's why it's Earth Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, Darkseid is trying to reawaken the Great Darkness, as it's now called, to use for his own purpose. And Earth Omega isn't a planet at all. It's part of the Great Darkness. Mm. Hmm. Justice League Incarnate. Spoilers for people who aren't reading it, but you should have been. It was, actually, it was more fun. It was basically uh, Avengers Forever, as, as you're know, as you describing. It was basically that five-issue series. Um, goes, yeah, funny story. The Great Darkness is actually stronger than Darkseid, and so basically eats Darkseid. Huh. But Darkseid is one of many people who have tried to use the Great Darkness, but have actually always been in service to the Great Darkness. So you see um, Eclipso, you see... Was it Neron or Necron? Whatever oh, the, yeah. like, the, the, the fake devil was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see all these characters who are basically all facets of this character, of this mm-hmm. like concept of darkness. And they've all basically been eaten by him again. Mm-hmm. But do you want to know who the villain of the whole fucking shebang turns out to be? <laughs> Pariah okay. from the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, no! Of course! Of course. Because Pariah's like, do you know what it's like when you just see infinite realities get destroyed you go a bit fucking nuts right 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 oh man i gotta tell you i i i'm like i should be more surprised but i feel like this is like the third wolfman perez created character that's had a heel turn you know yeah like yep wow i mean pariah always kind of felt like he was about a heel turn away you know i think Right. No, totally. Well, which is why I think they did the same thing with uh, Jericho. Um, you know, or at least Priest sort of semi-walked that line after I think several people pushed the character oh, yeah, yeah. over. No, yeah. Jericho has been a villain on so many occasions at this point. Yeah. Though. Right. Um, so, wow. No, huh. but, but yeah, the, the, what Williamson's doing is, is genuinely fascinating to me because it's one of the rare things where he's like there's all these things that have never been tied together but actually go together if you try mm-hmm. and then he ties yeah, them together yeah which is fun like shit that makes sense like he's mm-hmm. doing the Engelhart thing mm-hmm. yes exactly he's doing the Engelhart thing of like but this does go together right <laughs> like no one ever did anything but this but of course it makes sense like mm-hmm. everyone's always talking about great darkness why shouldn't it just be this thing which means dark side's involved but dark side and blah 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 blah, blah. And it right. it feels like it's actually going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I gotta say, I will. It's so hard. I do wish DCUI was like three months instead of six, but uh, but that means that I can at least jump back and read Infinite Frontier or whatever. Yeah, Infinite Frontier is all there. Infinite Frontier is mm-hmm. a really weird series in the end, and I say that as someone who liked it, but. Right. Um, it's really weird because it feels like from the first issue that like it's the event book. Uh-huh. And then you get to like issue three, you get halfway through, and you're like, "This isn't the event book at all." I'm mm. not sure what this book actually is. Right, right. And you get through from Frontier, and then you get through Justice League Incarnate, and you're like, "Oh, neither of these are the event book. Mm. This is all laying the groundwork for the event book." That's funny. It feels these, it kind of feels like Williamson's doing what Snyder was trying to do, but managed to pull it off by dint of not giving his hand away too soon. Or yeah, by then? basically not telling anyone. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, it's all clear. Like 
it's clear that all this shit has been coming for anyone who's reading the Deathstroke book, Deathstroke Incorporated. Hmm. Um, well, which is, like, of course, everyone. Well, but he, it's another Williamson book, right? So therefore, mm-hmm. it was probably mm-hmm. going to be part of this like bigger storyline. And of he tipped his hand really early on mm-hmm. by Libra being part of the characters. And wow. Libra's like, yeah, I built a new secret society. Of course I have. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here to bring balance to everything. And then Deathstroke just kills him. And it's like, I'd like a secret society, please. I'll kill you and take over. Does anyone want to fight me for it? Of course you don't. I've just killed your boss. Right, right. Uh, That's very funny. But that ties in with his Batman run, which has brought back Batman Incorporated. Mm. So now you have, like, Deathstroke Incorporated and Batman Incorporated. Right, right. Oh, that's very funny. So it's like, Williamson has been genuinely building, like, one big story in plain sight for the last two years. Right. Right. And it's only That's like you know, now two or three months away where you're like, oh, it, oh, wait, it actually does connect. Like that goes here and this goes here and you actually are bringing in multiversity and you are bringing in death metal or, you know, all of these things. And they all mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah, it's weird. It, I, I'm, I'm kind of in awe of the fact that it does make sense in a way that something like death metal didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because death metal we've just invented this new chronology you know but it's great and this is now like no you've read all these comics and this is how all these comics that you've read and never actually thought about do actually make sense together right right can i can i talk very super quickly about kind of a different facet of weirdo tying things together that you wouldn't expect um i'll try and make it quick so, as you know, uh, I was making my way, uh, stumbling somewhat slowly through Savage She-Hulk, Marvel Masterworks Volume 1, which is David Anthony's craft stuff. And I was like, ah, this is, uh, oof, wow, it's really making me reevaluate David Anthony craft stuff. God bless him. Issue 12 of Savage She-Hulk is, has the uh, title, well, I don't know if it's the title of the story, but the cover is Double Jeopardy with Gemini, which is Gemini, the character that... It's Fender's uh, character? Yes, from David Anthony Crafts when he, reinv- he and Keith Giffen reinvented the Zodiac. Uh, Gemini is one of the few characters that actually escapes. There's a handful that get destroyed and trashed and, you know, Gemini escapes and is kind of this interesting character in that he is both sides like he has a negative side and a positive side and and more or less before he takes any action he splits off into two pieces and more or less argues the sides out with himself or since it's a superhero fight one side of them will decide to help the hero and the other side will decide to help the villain and then ultimately at a certain point they reintegrate together and have made their decision and then throw their power beside behind one side or another. It's almost a little too much to explain how they get there. But it, it, I think another thing that is super that you may not remember is, is that Gemini is a character that has like a big metal mask. Um, I did is, not remember that. One half of it is in the, it's like, it's almost like a a weaponized version of the theater mask. One half has the mouth turned down and is sad and the other half is turned up and it's laughing. He's otherwise like 
half black, half white, um, you know, in true Star Trek episode that teaches you a valuable lesson about racism. In the course of the She-Hulk episode, he ends up coming out to Los Angeles to escape the whole events of Defenders and etc. For whatever reason, Kraft thinks that the best thing to do with Gemini is, check this out, put him in a green suit with a hat and tie and have him run around like the literal polar opposite of Ditko's Mr. A. And he shows up at a scene where somebody is getting robbed and says, in a very Ditko-esque suit, maybe this misunderstanding could be resolved through independent arbitration. And and the guy's like, buzz off! I said, scram, Sam! And Gemini says, allow me to introduce myself. I am yin and yang. I am both black and white. Yes and no. In short, I am Gemini. So I just want to say, Graham, that Dave Kraft decided to take the piss out of Mr. A and make it the center point of a She-Hulk story. I'll post some screenshots, but I kind of couldn't believe that it was happening. On the one hand, it's comics, so yes, of course, one can. But I'm kind of like, how has no one ever really made it a point to talk about how weirdly... What a weird, insane kind of drive-by piss-up that this is. Um, it's just great. And it it actually ends up with him walking away in the Ditko suit with kind of like alarm lines going over his head. And he's like, you know, there are always two sides to every issue. And I'm like, wow. 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 Stop making me want to reread She-Hulk books. <laughs> The great thing is, Graham, I can. It's not great. Even in later issues where Michael Golden's doing the covers, there's a whole thing where the She-Hulk crosses uh, the voice, which is this powerful, and it's it's drawn like Charles Foster Kane. Like, she's basically battling Orson Welles for, like, and Orson Welles' superpowered daughter for, like, two issues. But it's all got, like, Mike Vosberg drawing weird... Um, visual still shot riffs from Citizen Kane. Not not the really interesting ones, but ones of him, you know, lecturing and yelling at people in front of a poster with his own face. And it's kind of like they're not they're not good. Please remember Zapper. But I do have to say, like, because I suffered, I really wanted to come back and tell everyone about it and throw some pictures in the show notes. So um, so that you wouldn't have to. So please don't, Graham. That's sort Honestly, of the Gemini thing is it's so weird and bad that I kind of really want to read it. Yeah, you should. Um, oh, well, fuck if you get you. a chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy, Graham. It's not. It's right nearby for you, right? Don't you? You've got it. Is did you? You're reading Hulk. Did you have the volume on Comixology, or did you have? Like... Uh, no, I I I had it in print years ago as like an as an essential collection. I don't anymore, uh, but I'm sure it's on. I'm sure it's on. Yeah, Marvel Unlimited. Uh, yeah, so Marvel Unlimited, right? People who really want to torture themselves uh, at my say so, the Gemini issue is issue twelve uh, of the first run of the Savage She Hulk. So. I think this is the perfect place to leave it with Jeff convincing me to read shitty comics. As opposed <laughs> to like old Legion of Superhero comics, which again are not gonna rock anyone's world, and yet I kind of 
love it. I gotta admit, I'm sort of I'm sort of into it. If I wasn't half convinced, by which I say three quarters convinced that that is what we will be reading uh, as the replacement for Drock when Drock wraps up, um, you know, segue, Jeff. What a fucking gr- what a fucking great segue for me saying that, like, next week we're doing a drug. That's right. We are. Because uh, I, I was going to start wrapping it up. But, yeah, next week we're doing a drug. We're doing um, Case Files 33 next week. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, which means you and I both need to start reading Judge Dredd because I know I've not read any Judge Dredd lately. I have not. No, 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 no. Again, I don't so even that, think yeah. I've really talked about it. Yep, yep. Sounds great. That, that's that's what, next week. That's what we're going to have to fix up. That's next week. Uh, yep. I'm until then or before then, uh, we will have show notes up uh, at whitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, as soon as you hear this, because Jeff is on top of his business, uh, we have a Twitter account at whitwhatpodcast. Uh, Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastid, at L-A-Z-Y-B-S-T-I-D. And I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which means Jeff is going to talk right now. Listen to him. Listen. Listen right now. Go. <laughs> this is the voice. Uh, hey, everyone. I, I just want to thank you so much. There, You know, as you may well be aware, uh, last week, Graham and I uh, met up on our off hours to just record two quick little uh, installments of My Four Manga. I greatly enjoyed it. I hope Graham did as well. You guys seem to as well. And I'm, I'm hugely uh, grateful to all the people who sort of plunked onto the Patreon um to sign up i don't know if that's why to to listen to graham basically trounce me in two rounds out of two uh of my four manga instead of luck. just seeing the Come first on, one let, let's let's just say that one of them was complete fucking luck anyway keep going jeff uh yes but we really appreciate you showing up we we appreciate honestly and genuinely everyone who shows up and listens to us um engage in the comic book blabbity blab for good grief pretty much two hours at a time whether we mean to or not um but we really appreciate the incredibly genuinely big-hearted listeners at patreon who in addition throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh uh to keep us uh inspired and fired up as it were uh fired and inspired i don't know fired and inspired sounds wrong it kind of sounds somewhere between a michael keaton like if they were trying to remake a michael keaton comedy in 2022 around the great resignation they'd call it like fired and inspired and it would it would star it would star god who who is the who's that god i hope it wouldn't be like a adam sandler movie they probably well, see i was thinking ryan gosling Ryan Gosling. See, that's it. Even Gosling is like, I don't know, seventy-seven years old. Like, where's all the 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 young kids releasing the young kid comedies where you're like, oh, ha, ha, they're so funny and they've got boobs. I don't, I don't know. Oh, which reminds me, I should talk about Money Shot the next time that we have one of these. But instead, allow me to repivot back to what I was originally talking about. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, supporters on Patreon, um, for keeping us fired up and inspired down fire me up inspire me down by pedro maldivar um wow i'm never gonna get through this back. yeah right i was kind of like "Ooh, i see it i'm gonna take it it's nonsensical but really doesn't that mean that i should be writing comics it probably does um empress audrey queen of the galaxy thank you for your continuing support of this podcast um and 
the galactic realm, which, as you know, we need now more than ever. So thank you for that. Please don't take a vacation anytime soon. Um, Graham? I, I'm, I'm surprised you cut back to me so quickly. I was literally just <laughs> no. having a drink of water. I was I like, what? what? No, I'm so it's sorry. It's literally the, the, the bit where they cut back to someone at the end of a news report and the newscaster's is like eating a sandwich. That was pretty much what just happened there. Uh, yeah, we're back next week with a drop. Uh, Jeff and I are both going to do our damnedest to read some Judge Dredd to make sure that happens. Otherwise, yes. who knows what we're going to do next week. No kidding, right? Uh, Jeff, do you have any final words? Clearly not. Bye! (laughs) I couldn't think of a punchline tied to tie me up, tie me down fast enough. Oh, well. Oh! Star Star Trek, Beam Me Up, Beam Me Down by Pedro Maldivar. That's got to be it. Damn, too late. Bye! (laughs) 